It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, the show that is so nice. We do it twice. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and use the promo code PODCAST. He is Joe Dolan. Number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world over the last five years, according to fantasypros.com. You can follow him like I do on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, loving this podcast and playing fantasy, loving even money and placing bets. For you guys on the Even Money podcast and loving being on daily on the Ross Tucker football podcast. Little power rankings today. Tomorrow we'll have Andrew Brandt on the mighty RTFP. Joe, we'll start Thursday night. It's the Redskins at the Vikings. We'll start with the away team and the Kirk Cousins, I guess, revenge game. What do we need to know, if anything, about the Redskins? Well, with the Redskins here, Ross, I think the one thing that you need to remember here is that Xavier Rose, the top corner for for the Vikings, he can't really run anymore. And I, and I will say this. Look, last week was ugly. San Francisco's defense posed a really tough matchup for Washington. However, uh, Terry McLaurin was, I think, negatively affected by both the matchup and especially the conditions in that game. The conditions will obviously not be a problem here inside the Dome in Minnesota on Thursday night, I think this is a good bounce back spot for Terry McLaurin. The other thing that we have to watch here for Washington is in the backfield. Adrian Peterson, uh, he has a high ankle sprain, uh, claims he's going to play. This is an Adrian Peterson revenge game as well, not just a Kirk Cousins revenge game, but a Peterson revenge game. He says he's going to play. I'm a little skeptical about that on the quick turnaround from Sunday to Thursday, Chris Thompson is dealing with a toe injury. Neither Peterson nor Thompson practiced on Tuesday. That means if you're desperate, and a lot of people might be with injuries, there's only two teams on bye this week, but the bye week includes Ezekiel Elliott and Mark Ingram. If you are desperate for a running back, you could consider Wendell Smallwood, who would get the majority of the snaps if Peterson or Thompson and or Thompson can't play. On the other side, I know we're not allowed to talk about this as a national, really international show. We're only allowed to talk about it when he plays poorly. But, Joe, don't tell anybody. Kirk Cousins is playing really well. Don't say it out loud. It's a a season of, of like... Of runs, isn't it? it you know, sometimes the, the team will put two really bad games together, three really bad games together, and then all of a sudden they'll look like a completely different team. Cousins has answered the bell. He's come out and he's put up big-time numbers against bad defenses, and he's got, got another one here. This is a 13 – this is a two-touchdown spread here against Washington, um, which is reflecting how – the markets think about Washington, but also how they think about Minnesota right now. Josh Norman didn't play last week. He wasn't even playing all that well anyway. So this is another good spot, I think, to stream Cousins. And I think Cousins is going to want to stick it to Daniel Snyder. Um, It just seems to be that Redskins revenge games against them just matter more to people. I think we would have seen Kyle Shanahan pour it on last week if the weather wasn't pouring it on and and really made that impossible in Washington. I think Cousins wants to go out and he wants to put up numbers in this this matchup. The problem is Adam Thielen's dealing with a hamstring injury that he suffered in last Sunday's game. And with the quick turnaround, I don't know if I would expect him to play. If he doesn't go, Stephon Diggs is a slam dunk wide receiver one. I would consider him a slam dunk wide receiver one, maybe on the lower end anyway, even if Thielen plays. If Thielen does not play, Ola B.C. Johnson would be the next man up. He scored a touchdown last week. He got eight targets. So if you're desperate for a wide receiver, Ola B.C. Johnson, they call him B.C., would be the next guy up for Minnesota. He had eight targets last week. And once again, with a massive two-touchdown spread here, it's always a Dalvin Cook week. Well, Dalvin Cook got back, uh, as you would anticipate, after the tough matchup against Philly. He got back in action last week uh, against 
against the Falcons. So this is obviously not the Falcons, uh, whoever whoever they played last week. Ross, I'm all I'm all uh, I'm I'm all uh, discombobulated. They played the Lions last week, but he got back at it against the Lions. I would expect another huge game for Dalvin Cook. Is there any place for Kyle Rudolph? It seemed like they targeted him a little bit more last week, especially if Theolan's out. He did have a touchdown. What do you think? Uh, season high in targets was six last week. The problem is Irv Smith also saw season high in targets. They both caught five passes, these two tight ends. Um, I, I would think if you're desperate, you could use Rudolph if Thielen is out. Um, this, uh, Like you mentioned, this is not a very good Washington defense. But Rudolph is probably on the back end of the top 15 at tight end. Okay, let's move on then to Sunday action, 1 o'clock. It's the Seahawks against the Falcons. I can maybe save you some time, Joe. If okay. you're a skill, if you have a skill position player going against the Falcons, they should be in your lineup, and you should consider them for daily fantasy. Is that Absolutely. a good analysis? Absolutely. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson. By the way, Chris Carson played a career high in snap share last week. So his his snap share is only going up. Rashad Penny only played two snaps last week. So Chris Carson's snap share is going up. Career high, 89%. Russell Wilson's going to want to bounce back from his worst game of the season so far. Thank you for saving me time, Ross, because you, you did not need me to help you break down that game. Seattle, start them all. DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett, get them all in your lineups. Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, they are all top options at their positions this week. Okay, but on the other side, this is a little bit different. Yes. The Falcons, skill guys, especially, I don't think Matt Ryan's going to play. We're recording this 2.39 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. What does that mean for people that have Julio Jones or – any of the skill guys, Calvin Ridley, you know, Mohamed Sanu was traded this morning. So yes. really curious to get your breakdown here. Well, the problem with Matt Schaub is that he can't throw a football. I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a concern here. He has one of the weakest arms in the entire NFL. Uh, that being said, I don't think Seattle's defense is very good. Uh, this has been a weaker unit. They can get after the quarterback a little bit, but Jadavion Clowney, you talked to Greg Cosell, Ross, you know, Jadavion Clowney is kind of miss. He's kind of misrepresented as an elite pass rusher when he's he's more of a disruptor than that. Um, he's he doesn't really get after the quarterback all that much. But this is a good front seven. They are exploitable on the back end. And the great thing about Sanu being gone is that it narrows the target tree a little bit. So that should mean a higher percentage of targets for everybody you mentioned, Julio and Ridley, and also a higher percentage of targets for Austin Hooper. We know from Matt Schaub's time with Houston. He was a really a two-receiver type of guy. He loved checking it to all three receivers because he loved checking it down to his running back. Devontae Freeman should be back from from, uh, being ejected this week. Um, He liked to throw it to Andre Johnson. Julio Jones is highly comparable. And then he liked to throw it to Owen Daniels, the tight end. Austin Hooper is highly comparable as an athlete. So I would expect those three guys, Freeman, Julio and and uh, Hooper to be the predominant recipients if Matt Schaub were to be the, were to be the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, next game is the Broncos, who were embarrassing last Terrible. Thursday night at the Colts with red hot Jacoby Brissett. Why don't we start with Denver? Well, one thing I want to keep an eye on this week is as we're sitting here on Tuesday with the trade deadline approaching next week, two names from the Broncos are going to be on the market, Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris. And with each of those guys on the trade market, that that would severely affect the analysis here. But but Denver last week, I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes goes out in that game and you still lose it by essentially four touchdowns. Uh, not a really good showing for a Bronco team that had been playing a lot better football in recent weeks. And, you know, they gave up plays down the field. Uh, Tyreek Hill ran right past Chris Harris. And Chris Harris, uh, he's been kind of disgruntled in the media. So I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if T.Y. Hilton kind of runs past him in this game. So T.Y. Hilton right on the radar. 
Um, last week, you're going to get a lot of questions. Though. You're going to hear a lot about Zach Pascal. The thing about Pascal against the Texans, he scored two touchdowns. He only played 47% of the snaps, and that's not a great snap share. Even though his snaps have been getting up uh, up and over uh, some earlier totals this season, that's really not a great snap share for fantasy. And this Bronco defense, as bad as they looked last week, is still a better defense than the one that um, – than the one that the Colts faced last week with the Houston Texans. So Zach Pascal, I'm considering him more of a mediocre option for fantasy here. The guy I'm looking for a bounce back here is going to be Marlon Mack. Now, the Broncos have done a much better job on the ground after Leonard Fournette got him for 225 yards a few weeks ago, but the Colts are six-point favorites at home. I would expect Marlon Mack to have an opportunity to get a lot of carries in this matchup. Yeah, so... What else needs to be said about this game, Joe? Anybody else? I mean, I know you touched on the Colts. It's weird, too, with the Broncos with all the trade rumors. What else do we need to discuss here? Well, Corlin Sutton's a guy you start each and every week at this point. And and it's not sexy. He's not like somebody you expect to go out there and win you a week each and every week the way you do, say, uh, the way you do with, mm, let, let's say, even a Terry McLaurin. Like, Terry McLaurin had a bad game last week, but you don't expect him to go out there and go for 150 and two touchdowns. Cortland Sutton's been a nice, solid wide receiver three, the way we think of the wide receiver three for fantasy purposes. So I think Cortland Sutton is a guy you start each and every week. I would continue to start Emmanuel Sanders if if he's still on this team. And the backfield, unfortunately, it just filters targets and opportunities away from each other. Royce Freeman was the guy last week, 63% of the snaps. He had 10 carries and five targets. Philip Lindsay had 11 carries and one target last week. Uh, so it was really, really disappointing because I think Lindsay's the better back. I think Lindsay's the more explosive player, but they don't use him like that. They just kind of rotate these guys evenly and they use Freeman on passing downs. Sometimes they'll use Lindsay on passing downs. There doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. I put a higher ceiling on Philip Lindsay. I think he's more of a low end RB2 with Freeman being in the flex range, but I only put that higher ceiling on Lindsay because I think he's a more talented player. It's a really frustrating uh, backfield to parse right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, <clears throat> anything else on the Colts end of it, or are we good to move on to Bucks Titans? I think you could keep streaming Jacoby Brissett by the way I mean he can move around and once again we, we talked about this at the early in the early part of the season this guy is not a bum he was he I would have kind of said he was the best backup quarterback in all of football and now you're seeing he's at minimum a mid-range starting quarterback in the NFL and that's there's a lot of value in that it's the Buccaneers off the bye at the Titans and Look, I have issues with Tannehill's uh, pocket movement and awareness still, but he was clearly an upgrade over Mariota. How about the touchdown throw to Corey Davis where uh, it, they were in the deep red zone, Ross, and he stuck it between two defenders? And, and, and that, to me, just illustrated the difference between Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota right there. Because in my opinion, Marcus Mariota doesn't even attempt that throw. And that illustrated the difference, the willingness to pull the trigger on a tight window throw. And frankly, Mariota might not have had the arm strength to zip it in there. I'm not trying to tell you, uh, and I know you agree here, I'm not trying to say that that Ryan Tannehill is the savior for this team, that he's the long-term starter. But he, if the Titans are going to make the playoffs, he is the better option for them. I don't think there's any question about it. What does it mean for receivers like Davis for tight ends I know Delaney got hurt let's let's talk through the rest of their skill guys well let, let's talk about Tannehill first because in this matchup against a Buccaneer defense that has been absolutely atrocious heading into the bye and I don't know sometimes teams come out of the bye and you're like whoa hey they're doing well well how about the Buccaneer defense right now I mean they were giving up some massive numbers prior to the bye. I actually think Tannehill is a stream-worthy quarterback here at home, and it certainly makes me feel better about Corey Davis and about A.J. Brown against this secondary. So let's look at the snap, the snap share and the target share. Davis was up in over 75% of the snaps. He saw seven targets. A.J. Brown, 61% of the snaps. He saw eight targets. So these are the two guys you can consider. I think Davis is, is safer 
A.J. Brown might have a little bit more upside for you. But both of these guys with Tannehill, I actually believe are now rosterable, Ross. 75% for Corey Davis, 61% for A.J. Brown were the snap shares last week. Seven and eight targets, respectively. I think they're both wide receiver fours right now with the potential to be even better than that as Tannehill gets into a groove. Wow, okay. All right, what about anything else for the Titans? A couple of things. Jonu Smith was up in over 80, 80% of the snaps last week with uh, Delaney Walker going down. At this point, I, I'm just going to make a recommendation. Even though if he plays, I still would probably rank him as a top 15 tight end. I think you can drop Delaney Walker right now. He is mind-numbingly frustrating to have for fantasy because he, he's he even was playing at his most around half the offensive snaps. He hasn't gotten it done in weeks. He's been on and off the injury report. He's been in and out of practice. You can respect the guy as a player and respect what he's going through, trying to win for his team and not have to deal with him for fantasy. I think he is droppable at this point. I would drop him for somebody like Dawson Knox from the Buffalo Bills. I just don't want to deal with Delaney Walker. Uh, That's one thing I'll say about this team. And the other thing is, not a great spot for Derrick Henry. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think, as as much as I think the, the pass defense was completely farcical, was a complete farce in, in the first few weeks of the season, I think the run defense is every bit as real as it looks. They have shut down Christian McCaffrey on the ground twice this year. They are giving up under three yards per rush attempt to opposing running backs. This is a for real defense. And Derrick Henry, a guy who's entirely volume-based, I wouldn't be shocked if he averages around three yards a carry. And even if he gets 20 carries in this game, it's not going to be enough for him to come through for fantasy unless he scores a touchdown or two. So Derrick Henry is a downgrade for me to a low-end RB2 this week. Okay, what about on the other side with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off the bye? I think Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator for for the Titans, is absolutely licking his chops to get his hands on Jameis Winston. I think he is going to be thrilled because uh, he is one of the tougher defensive coordinators to play against. He loves to disguise his pressures. He loves to bring defenders from everywhere. And Jameis Winston's coming off a five interception game. I think Dean Pease is licking his freaking chops in this game. Now, you still start Chris Godwin. You still start Mike Evans. Godwin is safer. We know. I understand. Mike Evans has been killing people. Chris Godwin's been a league winner so far. You still start both of those guys. There is no way you could consider at this point Jameis Winston in this matchup. He is a severe downgrade for me against the Titans. Okay. What what else about the other skill guys? Ronald uh, Jones, oh, other dudes? Uh, Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber are both flex options. Here's the issue. With Jameis Winston throwing all those interceptions and the Buccaneers playing from behind last week, or uh, two weeks ago. Dare Ogumbawale, the number three running back, was the guy who led the backfield in snaps. So even though Barber and Jones have actually been pretty good, neither one of them has taken control of the number three or the third down running back job on Tampa Bay. And that is severely cutting in to the upside for them. Uh, uh, And it's also cutting into their floors. Their floors are like one fantasy point. We saw that with Jones carrying the ball like four times for 11 yards. I mean, these guys have such low floors that you can use them as a flex, but you have to understand there's really, really not a whole lot going on for them because this is still a three-man running back rotation. Anything else on the Bucks before we move on to Cardinal Saints? Uh, O.J. Howard, um, I, I wouldn't drop him, but I don't think you can play him right now. There's better options. It, it's just so unbelievably frustrating. They're saying they're not going to to, to uh, trade him, okay? Um, I wish they would because I think he'd get more targets elsewhere. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. How about the Cardinals? They've won three in a row, and my guy, I wish you would have talked about this earlier, Joe, Chase Edmonds from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Too small to get any FBS offers. Villanova tried to get him late, which is ironic because he reminds me a lot of Brian Westbrook. He went to Fordham instead and was a star right away. Fresh All-American as a freshman. And he's good, Joe. Like, he's legitimately good. He's a really good player. Uh, I talked to Greg Cosell last week, and he compared him to Austin Eckler. So I think I, I think you could see some Brian Westbrook in, in Austin Eckler as well, wouldn't you say? Yes. 
So, I, I mean, this is a really good player. The problem is they screwed everybody for fantasy by making David Johnson active. And then he gets the first carry, and then he uh, he gets the first carry, and then he's, oh, he was only going to play in an emergency situation. What happened is what I want to know. Uh, they, they were uh, working out running backs this week. This is obviously something that they think could be a problem here. Uh, maybe not necessarily long-term uh, for, for, for David Johnson, but something that they're trying to consider with a cushion. Now, I think the workout is actually scheduled for today. So it could be, uh, I think it was Jay Ajayi and Spencer Ware were reported. We might hear something about that after after you listen to this podcast. But uh, look, if Chase Edmonds is going to play and he's going to be the number one, then I'm putting him on my RB1 radar because this guy has all the skills in the world that you could possibly want for a fantasy back. I thought he was a really good receiver uh, coming out of school, coming out of Fordham. I thought uh, he was an explosive runner. I don't know if he's a guy that you want handling 27 carries each and every week. I don't know if he's built that way, but he's certainly somebody who in this climate, in this, uh, in this NFL, he can contribute in a big way. The bad news is the Saints are heavy favorites here at home. Um, they have given up the fourth fewest fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. So it is a tough matchup here. And uh, the bummer for last week for fantasy. How about the Cardinals scoring 27 points in that matchup against the Giants? And you get nothing, nothing from Kyler Murray, David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald. Literally nothing from any of those guys. So it was all Chase Edmonds for them. And I'm a little bit concerned in this matchup in New Orleans that things could be tough for the Cardinals. Uh, this is not a great spot for them coming off of three consecutive wins. No, um, it's not. The Saints defense has been nasty. Anything else that needs to be said about the Cardinals before I get your thoughts on the Saints offense? Uh, absolutely here, uh, Ross. Um, let's uh, look at the fact that they're getting their two tight ends a little bit more involved. Um, we'll see if Christian Kirk comes back this week. That's the key because they have guys they just cannot they cannot um, get open at, at wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald is, is one thing. Demir Bird can run, but he's just not getting open. They're really running out there with Larry Fitzgerald, Trent Sherfield, Demir Bird, and Keyshawn Johnson, and these guys are not producing. They really need Christian Kirk back. Saints offensively, I love their O-line, Joe. I love, I mean, Latavius Murray. I mean, I thought that guy might be done a while ago. The Saints offensive line makes everybody look pretty good. What are we hearing about Alvin Kamara, and what are you telling people to do with Latavius Murray? So here's the thing about Kamara, and, and by extension here, Drew Brees, the Saints are off in Week 9. So we're sitting here at Week 8. They have gone 5 and 0 with Teddy Bridgewater. I remember talking to you a few weeks ago when when Teddy Bridgewater took over saying, "You know what? Sean Payton will probably be okay if they go 500. If they go and and, and then he gets Drew Brees back for the stretch run." They're up they're above and beyond that. If I were the Saints, and, and I'm sorry if you have Alvin Kamara for fantasy, but if I were the Saints, I'd rest Kamara this week. I'd rest Brees this week. I'd get him fully healthy over the bye and then unleash their full strength team come week 10. That's exactly what I would do. Uh, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. It appears uh, it appeared that Kamara was close to playing last week, but I would just say I'm going to downgrade Kamara even if he does go in this game because I think it's a really good spot for the Saints to go with what's been working and then reassess everything over the bye. So Latavius Murray, if he's the starter, you start him. Michael Thomas, I know Patrick Peterson's playing, but you start him. You play him. Each and every week um, you play. So here's the deal. You can play Latavius Murray if Kamara doesn't play. If Kamara plays, you probably have to suck it up and play him. You can play Michael Thomas. And I think you can stream Teddy Bridgewater in this matchup. Other than that, I don't think the Saints are, are even worth talking about because they are such a narrow fantasy team. The focus has been clear for this team. Wow. So that's all we need to even say about them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's three guys for them right now. And and until last week, it really wasn't even Teddy. Still impressive what they were able to do without Kamara and Jared Cook. So impressive. Hey, um, Ross, can I chime in really quick? Yeah. Uh, so remember a couple minutes ago we were talking about that Broncos-Colts game? And yeah. I said, well, we have to see who's actually on this roster. Emmanuel yes. Sanders just got traded to the 49ers. 
Wow. That's from Adam Schefter. It's a, a Sanders and a fifth for third and fourth round picks. Uh, so, that, that I mean, for a guy who's 32 coming off an Achilles, a uh, pretty steep price, you would think, here for the 49ers, though they do get a pick back. So we'll, we'll be talking about that on tomorrow's podcast because the 49ers are going to get Sanders into the building this week. But the Broncos are not going to have Sanders. So that's an upgrade, I think, for Deshaun Hamilton uh, on the lower end, if you're in a lower end league. It's an upgrade for Noah Fant, the tight end. And then it's a major upgrade for Cortland Sutton, who I think is going to be the apple of Joe Flacco's eye. Wow. Really good work by you to see that while we're actually recording the show. I love it. Very impressive, Joe. Speaking of impressive, absolutely love all of the patrons over at patreon.com slash RT Media. We get into fantasy conversations, betting conversations, fan conversations. If you aren't already, become a patron and get in on the uh, the private Slack channel because it is awesome. All right. We were done with the same. We're ready for Bengals-Rams, right? Well, we are ready for Bengals-Rams. Okay, man. Well, Bengals. I don't know, I don't know if, uh, <laughs> if I'm ready for this game, Ross, but uh, we, well, we can talk about it. Go for it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I had to take a deep breath before we talked about the Bengals. On a neutral field, would you take the Bengals or the Dolphins right now? Dolphins. How bad are the Cincinnati Bengals? Really it bad. Is so bad. You know, the Dolphins at least play with a little bit of, of panache. You know, they play with a little oomph to them. The Bengals are dead. This team sucks. They are awful. The offensive line is atrocious. I think according to Football Outsiders, they have the worst run-blocking offensive line in the NFL in adjusted line yards, which is a big reason Joe Mixon's not getting anything going. And it, look, if you guys want to blame this on Joe Mixon, if you want to say, I'm never drafting you again, you're a bum, blah, 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 that's your prerogative. But just keep in mind, Joe Mixon is averaging three yards per carry this season. Go look at Giovanni Bernard's numbers. See if they're any better. We, we know Giovanni Bernard in his time in the NFL has been a pretty good player. Joe Mixon's at three yards a carry with no rushing touchdowns. Gio Bernard's at 1.8 yards per carry with no rushing touchdowns. This is an abysmal offensive line. At least in terms of run blocking, it's been one of the worst. I think they've done a little bit better in pass pro, but they've got injuries. The, the, the first round pick was hurt even before the season started. So there's one. There's one problem. John Miller, their best run blocker, he missed last week's game with an injury. Cordy Glenn got suspended. This is an absolutely abysmal offensive line. I think Joe Mixon is benchable. At this point, you have to hope that he gets targets, and they don't. He does. They don't throw him the football. He doesn't run routes. It's just really bad right now. They are trying to get through this season. Um, Andy Dalton should. It probably is thinking I should just take my money and run at this point. Uh, the only guys who I really want to play in this game are the wide receivers, Boyd and Tate. The problem for Auden Tate is the Rams have this guy by the name of Jalen Ramsey. And the thing you can do with a top corner is, as they did last week, they brought Jalen Ramsey in and they shadowed Julio Jones. I don't think you need a guy to learn your entire defensive scheme to be able to tell him, hey, Jalen, that's your man. Go shut him down. And Auden Tate ain't the Julio Jones. So a big downgrade for Auden Tate this week. I think it's an upgrade for Tyler Boyd just by that nature. Uh, but Nikel Roby Coleman's a great slot corner. This is an absolutely abhorrent matchup for the Cincinnati Bengals across the board. Wow. That's harsh, man. All right. What on the, on the other side, the Rams, they kind of got their, uh, their mojo back a little bit. They did. Uh, uh, the the uh, uh, thing that will help you do that is playing the Falcons. <laughs> playing the Falcons will help you get your mojo back. Uh, I'm still not entirely convinced with, with this passing game. I mean, Brandon Cooks, where has he gone? Uh, I started him last week against the Falcons because I'm like, you know what? This is a phenomenal matchup. Brandon Cooks has not had 10 or more fantasy points in a PPR league since week number four. That's three consecutive games. Robert Woods, who was one of the single most consistent players in all of fantasy football last year, he had a he went catchless against the 49ers two weeks ago. He actually had a rushing touchdown, which helped. He had five for 80 last week, but just five for 48 in the game before that. The one outlier game he had was against Tampa, and their awful defense for with 13 for 164. But Robert Woods has been below 50 yards receiving in four of the Rams' seven games. 
Cooper Cup. Two weeks ago, I said I wouldn't trade him for just about any wide receiver in football. And then all of a sudden, he's going off and he's having these these really poor by his standards games. Four for 17 on six targets. Six for 50 on eight targets. And that was against Atlanta last week. The good news is Cincinnati doesn't have much of a secondary either. Their corners, William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick, they missed last week. You can say that the Rams offense is killing you, and I would agree with you, but I think it still has to be at this point full systems go for the Rams offense. Jared Goff, the three wide receivers, the tight end Gerald Everett, all startable. Todd Gurley, as long as he plays, you still have to start him. The one thing I would say for the Rams, if he's available on your waiver wire, I think there's a chance Daryl Henderson is a league winner by the end of the year. He looks by far to be their most explosive back. Wow. And I think they need that level of explosiveness. Wow. That's a big statement right there. I mean, look, Malcolm Brown's not that guy he never was, and Todd Gurley's just not that guy anymore. Great touchdown catch for Todd Gurley last week, but you can tell the burst is lacking. Daryl Henderson, I think, has burst that this offense could need. Wow. Very interesting, Joe. All right. How about the Eagles at the Bills? We'll do start with the Eagles. Yeah, you do. Oh God, um, this is and this is the slowest team in the NFL. But at least the receivers don't give any effort whatsoever. What the hell was that on that Nelson Aguilar deep ball, Ross? Have you have you seen anything like that in recent years? Uh, no. Well, look, there, there's a couple different possibilities, right? Number one is that he blatantly did not give his best effort. I actually don't think that's the case. I think it's one of two issues. One is that he's just that bad at tracking a ball (laughs) and didn't see it and didn't see it until it was like too late, which by the way is arguably even worse. That That was his excuse, by the way. Well, if it's an effort issue, if it's an effort issue, you can correct that. Yes. If it's a you're not good at tracking the football deep, like how do you how do you fix that? I I actually have a different explanation for it. Okay. I think my personal opinion is that it was almost like like Roger Dorn in Major League in the sense that or like an older shortstop when they don't try to make that play in the hole cuz they know that they're probably not going to be able to make it, and then it'll be an error. Instead, they kind of jog over there, but they don't actually let the ball hit their glove because then it's an error. They let it be a, a, a hit. Like They don't dive for it to try to stop it, get up and make a play. They make like a good effort, but then the ball goes in the left field, and okay, it's a hit for the guy. I almost feel like Aguilar didn't want to drop it. Like He, he, like he thought, I'm going to drop this, and pulled his arms back so as to not have a drop pass. Well, I mean, so of those three things, I think the best one, the best case scenario is he didn't give a crap and didn't try. That was, That's like the best case scenario. Because if a wide receiver is afraid to catch a football, that's really bad for being a wide receiver, in my opinion at least. So, um, look, it, it's just... It's it's terrible on both sides of the ball for the Eagles. Um, their offense, their offensive line hasn't been good. Um, their receivers have been atrocious. Zach Ertz has been invisible. Doug Peterson comes out, oh, we're going to take the ball and try to create some offensive momentum while they're moving the ball down the field. Dallas Goddard fumbles. I, I mean, it, it's it is just so bad right now. And unfortunately for them, they're going up against a really good defense. And it's a downgrade for everybody. It's a, Especially Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey has the worst matchup of anybody in this game going up against Tredavious White. Um, I, it doesn't look right now like, like Deshaun Jackson's going to play. Um, I, I, I can't believe the Eagles' passing game, their wide receiver core, is this reliant on a 30-plus wide receiver, but it clearly is. You saw a clear difference between their offense in week number one than the offense the last seven weeks. Uh, it, it's, it's so bad right now. Um, I, I don't even know what to say. Downgrade Carson Wentz. Bury Alshon Jeffrey against Tredavious White. Now, I think Wentz is going to force the ball to Jeffrey anyway because he doesn't have anybody else. But I, I think you bury him. I think Goddard and Ertz are both top 12 tight ends this week because I think the Eagles have to try to attack the middle of the field. I don't think they're going to have any options to attack the perimeter. 
Yikes. Okay, what about their tight ends? I think they're both top 12 guys this week. Ertz has been invisible by his standards. I think he still has like 32 catches this season, but by his standards, he's been quiet. Um, and, and Dallas Goddard, despite the mistake, he had their most explosive play against the Cowboys, which isn't saying much. So um, I, I think both of them are top 12 guys. Goddard was up near 60% of the snaps. I think you got to play him, uh, play both of these guys, because I think they're their two best receivers right now, and that's a problem. How about the running back rotation with Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard? Well, Sanders, Doug Peterson came out this week and admitted he missed a hole on a key third down uh, play in the first half. So Miles Sanders' impact is in the passing game right now because they can't really trust him to run the ball uh, in short-yarded situations. He's missing holes. So Jordan Howard, the one thing I will say is this game is lined at a point and a half. So this should be a close enough game for the Eagles to stick with Jordan Howard uh, if need be in this one. I think Howard is a low-end RB2. Miles Sanders is in a flex flex range. On the other side, you've got the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen continues to be consistently inconsistent. Well, he's also throwing the deep ball really poorly, which is bad news against the Eagles because the Eagles love to give up deep balls. Uh, They didn't do so much of it last week because for the first time all year, um, they – for the first time all year, they struggled on the ground against Ezekiel Elliott. Cowboys didn't really need to throw the ball down the field at all last week. Uh, so um, I would think this is a get-well game for uh, for John Brown. Well, John Brown's been playing well anyway. But I think, it's a, uh, I think it's a game where they can look to exploit. Josh Allen has to, has to connect on these deep balls because I think they're going to present themselves here against the Philadelphia Eagles. The one thing I will say... Jalen Mills coming back helped the Eagles last week. He was their, he played their best game at corner. At his first game in over a year, he gets an interception at Dak Prescott. He, uh, he, he really did a nice, solid job. And if Ronald Darby can play this week, that gives the Eagles somebody on the perimeter who can run. But I still think this is a great matchup for John Brown. Um, what else for the Bills? Running backs, tight end, Dawson Knox. You referenced him earlier. I think you could pick Dawson Knox up. He's still a low-end starter at this point, not somebody I'm really looking uh, or really terribly excited to get into my lineup. Um, at running back, the problem is now they brought back Devin Singletary from injury last week, and that really limited the upside of both Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. Gore was at 54% of the snaps. Singletary was at 39% of the snaps. Gore had 12 opportunities. Singletary had seven opportunities. These guys are splitting a role right now, and it's not going to be a big enough piece of the pie to consider against an Eagle defense, that an Eagle run defense that I'm still going to say is going to be pretty good. Um, the the one thing I, w- I will point out is they lost two defensive tackles last week. Hassan Ridgeway lo- went, went down to injury. They lost Akeem Spence because they cut him. They, they brought in two practice squad defensive tackles. So their, their defensive tackle depth is thin, and their linebacker depth is thin, thin right now. Probably part of the reason that Ezekiel Elliott ran all over them. But I don't consider Gore or Singletary anything more than a low-end flex play because they really eat into each other's touches. Chargers are at the Bears. couple of very disappointing teams on the offensive side of the ball, Joe. And the Chargers have only themselves to blame because they are force-feeding Melvin Gordon. I, I, I am a big believer that running backs should get paid, and I think there needs to be something in the CBA. I think the union needs to push for it, something to prevent teams from exploiting the position by paying under – under really what these guys deserve and then just moving on to the next guy that they can underpay. I think there needs to be a protection against that for that position. That being said, the Chargers have basically brought in Melvin Gordon and run him right into the line of scrimmage for no success whatsoever to the point where he was actively hurting the team and flat out dropped their chance of winning a football game last week with the fumble at the goal line against Tennessee. Meanwhile, Austin Eckler, who actually played more snaps than Gordon in that game, and that needs to continue, he comes out, he catches, he has over 100 receiving yards and looks explosive. Austin Eckler should be the guy playing the snaps here. He should be the guy they're finding a way to get the ball to, not Melvin Gordon. Uh, Melvin Gordon, to me, is a flex play right now because if it's not at all obvious to the Chargers that Austin Eckler should be their back after that game, I don't know what will make it obvious to them. Hmm. All right. And then um... – Anything else 
Let's talk Chargers receivers. Yeah. Uh, so Keenan Allen has struggled of late 11 targets um, last week, but he had only four catches. The one thing I will say is the Bears have had problems with wide receivers. Uh, you know, this defense is really good, but Michael Thomas goes for uh, 131 yards. So uh, I think Keenan Allen is somebody you still put in your lineup. I think Mike Williams is a mid to low end wide receiver three. And the guy I really want to focus on, another guy who I think is a league winner, is Hunter Henry. Uh, the, the Bears gave up a touchdown to Josh Hill last week. Uh, uh, he was filling in for Jared Cook. Um, I just think Hunter Henry, he's aver- uh, my my buddy Graham Barfield from NFL.com just said he's averaging around 12 yards down the field on his average depth of target. That's like similar to Amari Cooper. So they are they are using Hunter Henry down the field. It proved to me that they had huge plans for him before he got hurt. Hunter Henry is a slam dunk top four tight end rest of season. Yep. I, I can see that. How about on the Bears side of it? Uh, there's like one guy. <laughs> Allen Robinson. Robinson. 16 targets last week. Now, also, keep in mind, one of those touchdowns that he had was late in the game. Garbage time. Two minutes left. But he had 16 targets. I feel good about playing nobody else on this team. Now, maybe Tariq Cohen. 12 targets last week. Okay, what did he do? He turned those 12 targets into 19 receiving yards. Not exactly the kind of efficiency you want. That's way less efficient than even the run game is. David Montgomery gets two carries. He fumbles one of them. How can I feel good about playing any of these guys? You can't. No. I don't think you can. Yeah. It's Allen Robinson or bust for me. I, I, I'm, I'm not... If if I am desperate enough that I have to play Cohen or Montgomery, I okay. I understand there's spots where you're going to be desperate, but the only guy I actively want to play is Robinson. That is it. Wow, um, that's crazy. All right, let's just move on then to the Giants at the Lions. I was a little disappointed. I know it was raining, Joe. A little disappointed in the Giants and their performance against the Cardinals with Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram back. Uh, mostly disappointed in Evan Ingram. I don't think there was anybody in the industry who didn't have him ranked as the number one tight end last week against the Cardinals. He gets one catch on five targets. Meanwhile, Rhett Ellison scores the touchdown. So the met, so the matchup was there. They actually exploited the matchup just with the wrong guy. Look, Saquon comes back. Didn't look a hundred percent. He was limping off the field at times. 18 for 72 and a touchdown. He catches three passes for eight yards. You play Saquon and you cross your fingers that he doesn't tweak that ankle because he's clearly not 100%. And Golden Tate's a guy. Hey, 11 targets, six for 80 receiving. That's a solid line for Golden Tate. And I think you can continue to, to roll with him. There are two things here at play. Number one, the Lions run defense has been far worse than anybody could have imagined. Dalvin Cook took him to task last week. Uh, through uh, through the first uh, six games here for the Lions, they are giving up uh, the second most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. That is huge. So only the Bengals have been giving up more to, uh, to running backs per game than them. So Saquon is going to be on DFS slates. He's going to be in DFS lineups. A lot of DFS lineups are going to start with him. Number two, monitor the status of two guys in particular. Darius Slay for the Lions, who uh, left last week's game with an injury, and Sterling Shepard for the Giants, who has his second concussion of the season. Sterling Shepard would have major upside here if Darius Slay does not play on the perimeter. That is a key matchup. The, uh, the matchups I am looking to exploit here uh, against the Lions are Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, and Saquon Barkley. I think those are the three big ones, and we have to wait until later in the week uh, on, on Sterling Shepard. On the other side, in this game, you are looking at a team with the Lions that – how about Marvin Jones? That was crazy. I mean, and he was he was a guy that, that you know, you considered kind of a wide receiver three, but I really thought it was going to be a good Kenny Galladay game because Kenny Galladay can run and Xavier Rhodes cannot. Well, Kenny Galladay goes for one for 21. Marvin Jones goes for four touchdowns. We've had a lot of grease the squeaky wheel games this year. I think this is one for Kenny Galladay against this abhorrent giant secondary. I think Kenny Galladay goes off in this game, and I think he's a great DFS option in a bounce-back spot. So he is the guy. Not not to say I wouldn't play Marvin Jones. I think he's a very good wide receiver three, but Kenny Galladay is the guy that I want to play, and I think stacking him with Matthew Stafford is going to be really interesting for DFS. Anything else on the Lions, Joe? 
we have to watch the backfield. Carryon Johnson left that game with an injury, an opposite knee injury from the one that ended his last season. And it's one of those six of, six of one, half a dozen of the other things. Would you rather have a guy have one really bad knee or two kind of bad knees? Uh, I'm not really sure which one's better. You were, you were the athlete, Ross. Can, can you tell me which one you would rather have? Um, man, probably one really bad knee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, That's it's a just, tough one. I, it is a tough one. And, you know, you look at, oh, it's not the same knee. Oh, but it's a different one. Oh, that's not good. You know, it's like, would you rather be riding down the road on on, on one rim that's uh, cutting up sparks on the highway? Or would you rather have two flat tires? I'm not sure uh, what the answer is to that. But if, if on Johnson can't go, there's going to be a rotation between the rookie Ty Johnson, who's not really a lead back type. Or J.D. McKissick, who's definitely not a lead back type. I think McKissick is the more explosive player, probably offers the higher ceiling. But I think Ty Johnson, based on how he was used last week, he had 14 opportunities, 10 carries and four rushes. He would be the guy they'd try to use as their quote-unquote base running back. But I think they mix in J.D. McKissick more, who might offer a little bit more upside for DFS tournaments and for those of you in PPR leagues. Anything else with the Lions before we wrap up episode uh, one with Jets and Jags? I still think the TJ Hawkinson breakout is coming at some point. Uh, the Giants historically have been a really good team to exploit defensively with the tight end position, uh, but not so much this year. They're down in the bottom 10 in fantasy points allowed. Uh, so he's a lower end option. I just think this is a really good week for Stafford. I, I think Stafford's a really good DFS quarterback this week. Then we go and we talk Jets, Jags. Wow, Joe. Recording this Tuesday afternoon. Let's talk a little Jets offensive football. About as bad as I've ever seen Monday night against the Patriots. Uh, did you see the controversy? Uh, Darnold saying he was seeing ghosts when mic'd up, and the Jets are not very happy about that. Uh, you know, Ross yeah, and, by, and by the way, that's like a term people say all the time. When they're not seeing things well, coaches will say, don't be seeing ghosts out there, like, you know, meaning going to things that aren't really there or thinking you see things. It's not like that bad. I mean, to me, I think this is like the Jets redirecting or deflecting attention to this rather than how bad they played. Yeah, they were terrible. And, and and here's the thing. That's a really good defense, a really tough defense to play. And I think that that's what that reflects on. But, I mean, of course, we finally get a, a, a player saying something actually interesting on Mic'd Up. And uh, and the, the team's really pissed off about it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, they were playing a really tough defense in the Patriots. I think this is a spot where Darnold can bounce back a little bit. Once again, there's no, there's no uh, Jalen Ramsey here. So Robbie Anderson, who for once again – for the hundredth time in his career was shut down by Stefan Gilmore is going to have a little bit of an easier go again uh, of it here against the Jaguars who are coming off playing the Bengals and, and Hey, Alex Erickson out of the slot, 14 targets last week. This is a Jamison Crowder game. The Bengals threw the ball 14 times each to Alex Erickson and Tyler Boyd, Jamison Crowder, Come on down. I think you're getting double-digit targets this week, and I think he's going to be an interesting DraftKings play because uh, on the full PPR site, I don't think anybody's going to want to go anywhere near the Jets after that performance on national television, but I think this is a Jamison Crowder week for the Jets. I think they can get him the football. Got it. Okay, what else for the Jets? Uh, you play Le'Veon Bell and hope he starts catching more passes. Uh, two catches in the past two games total. Uh, not very good. Um, and, and Sam Darnold, uh, I'm probably going to want to stay away from him after that game. But I think Robbie Anderson is a low-end wide receiver three. I think Crowder is a high-end wide receiver three in PPR. You keep rolling with Le'Veon Bell, who was the only player who showed up for them uh, on Monday night. And uh, you keep an eye on the status of Chris Herndon. I want to see what, when he comes back and what the offense is going to look like when he's back. Okay. Um, on the other side, you've got the Jags. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? You know, Minshew Mania, it's kind of a quiet thing, but yeah. Minshew Mania hasn't really played that well the last couple weeks. It, it's almost like he's a sixth-round rookie. And, and you, you acknowledge how impressive he's been given that, but also that, you know, 
he's kind of struggled at times, and that's okay. Uh, but this is, a, in my opinion, a stardom all game for the Jaguars. Leonard Fournette just continues to get volume on volume. He had 31 opportunities last week. No running back had more than he had last week. That's been kind of a common theme for Leonard Fournette. D.D. Westbrook out of the slot. He's been coming alive. We saw Julian Edelman uh, against the Jets in two games this year really kind of do his job. Um, they didn't really need to throw the football a whole lot last week uh, uh, on Monday night against the, the Jets, did the Patriots. But the slot is exploitable for the Jets. The perimeter has been exploitable. Tremaine Johnson has not been very good. So I think it's a start DJ Chark kind of week. So I'm in on Westbrook, high-end wide receiver three. Solid wide receiver two with Chark. I think Leonard Fournette is a high-end running back one in this game with the Jaguars as favorites. And and Gardner Minshew, I think you could stream him. Um, I'm probably not. I, I'm looking for other options first, but I think this is a pretty good matchup for him. Um. Okay, what else for the Jags? That's about it. I mean, uh, their tight end position, they, there was there was some value in James O'Shaughnessy for a while until he went down with the ACL injury. And then they come out last week and they have Seth DeValve and the rookie Josh Oliver saw his first NFL action. If there's anybody to keep an eye on, it's Oliver, who's a really talented player, a third-round pick. Uh, who was just activated off the pup. So uh, the fact that he is now getting snaps is interesting to me, but you can't use him for fantasy. Excellent work, Joe, as always. I love it. Taking all that information from the early games, and I am immediately going to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Why not? Yahoo Daily Fantasy recently released a new 300K NFL baller contest with 30K going to first place. It's only $10 to enter. Check this out today. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cashola. Get started now. Again, that's yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. When you make your first deposit, use promo code POD25 for $25 in free play. That's POD25 promo code for $25 in free play. That also will do it for episode number one of the Fantasy Feast Eaten podcast. You guys know the deal. Episode two with the late games and Sunday night and Monday night. They will all be in your podcast app shortly after midnight. So make sure you're subscribing or looking or whatever. Tell everybody spreading the word about the show. That all helps. Other than that, I'm stuffed. I'm full. Maybe, you know what? I can have a little bit of dessert. I can have episode two as dessert, but I'm stuffed for right now. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.